0: Spontaneously, that just got all the fans together in a very cool way. So, please, Jana, the stage is yours. Very welcome up on stage. Please have a seat. Thank you. The next gentleman, he has two hats. One hat is that he's part of MEC, advising brands to connect through medias with all of us but he's also somebody who knows a lot about and has researched a lot about, about youth and what youth cares about. He also writes books and is a generally fantastic guy. So please, John, come up on stage. Please, have a seat. I'm gonna sit at the egg. Thank you. Welcome up on stage. I'll, I'll sit over here at the egg. Uh, so we've been spending almost two full days with painting a digital sort of the, the, the box of the puzzle. We're painting the, uh, the box of the jig. So, trying to understand 50 50 billion connected devices, all these companies, authenticity, quest for talent. Uh, what, what do you think will be if we go 10 years ahead of time? What will people care about, the, the citizen of that environment that we're building, the young people now or the young people then, if we start with the young?
1: Well, I think the young people who care about the same things that young people always have cared about, content and engaging conversation and friends and being in a, in a, like a, a group of people that really likes you, I think the, the biggest change is where you do it and how you do it. And I think that we, you know, we have 50 million connected devices, but we can't stare as blind to the devices. We have to, to fill it. It's content and it's people. It's always people. We're not going to transform into devices. Devices are just you know, merging our, our needs.
0: But are kids, are kids the same always? And we just think they're different because we're not kids anymore? <laughs> or, or, or is there a different type of kid right now, taught yeah. by the internet and sort of?
1: If you see to like kind of basic needs, the kids are the same as we were when we were kids. The thing is that you can, you can explore your needs and you can do it on a different way now. Mm. You know, you have Facebook and Instagram and you have the smartphone and you have everything that we didn't have. But if we had it, we would have used it. And I think what we have to understand is, like you said, we, we are the, the elderly, you know. We are not the digital natives and we have to understand that. We have to be humble to to the young people today because... They understand things that we don't understand, but we can understand their needs because we have them as well when we was young. I wanted to talk to my friends. And the most uh, technique advanced thing that I had was the three-part call, you know? You could talk with two friends at the same time. That was fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So 10 years ahead of time, or, or at least ahead in time, what do you think some of the major changes are?
2: Well, uh I'm going to be a bit of a party-poop and say it's not quite as, as simple as, as I think it, it's come across the past two days. So, so, what we need to do, I think, as companies, is, is to look ahead at the information that is actually out there, not just about what's happening in our own fields, but what's happening in society in general, right? Um, and let's assume that the Eurozone doesn't crash. And let's assume that the world economy is gonna be shitter. I mean, everybody says it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Let's, let's assume it's gonna take like five years and then we're back on track. Let's, let's look ahead and see what happens then. Let's also assume that nuclear terrorism isn't going to happen. It's a huge threat, but let's just say that's not going to happen because that's sort of off-the-radar events. What threats are we looking at in the next 10 to 20 years, uh, globally speaking? And I think in Europe, when we say globally, we often think, we often mean outside Europe. (laughs) And what I'd like to remind you of first is globally includes every country, including this one, right? So uh, resource scarcity would be one of the big ones. Uh, Global food production today is running basically on three elements. Oil, uh, phosphorus, which we use for fertilizer, and water, which we need for drinking, but also for for our crops. And we're running out of all of these three things. I'm not going to say peak oil is going to happen, peak phosphorus is going to happen, but the prices will definitely go up because there is less of these resources available. We're going to be seeing water wars probably in all of our lifetimes. Uh, They're already existing in the world, so this isn't a very difficult, it's a no-brainer. It's already happening. Um, extreme weather is definitely going to happen. We already know, I know mean, I, everybody hates climate change, like, this like, oh, she's gonna talk about climate change. I'm really sorry, but this isn't, this isn't something that's gonna happen 100 years from now. The two degree temperature rise has already happened. That's the unavoidable consequence of stuff that's already happened, right? Uh, it's probably going to be more. All the scientists now say it's probably going to be more. And once we get to like three or four degrees over the next few hundred years or so, we don't even know what the consequences of that are. Like, we don't know how many people can live on this planet. So, on one side, we have this huge uh, opportunity of the growing middle classes. Uh, In the global south. It's amazing. It's really good for all of our industries at the same time We have probably a billion people at least whose situation is going to be significantly worse and a lot of people will start dying And there are so many more of these challenges. I'm just gonna lift one more which is the problem we have with antibiotics uh, Not working as well as they uh, used to so we've had this breather of almost 100 years uh, in the global north for sure where we haven't really died of trivial illnesses, mm. like the flu and syphilis. Uh, and that might change, like we might but, but start... But you're,
0: you're describing a very fearful society. Do you think that Absolutely. fear will be like a, a, one of the components that, that guides the, the citizens of that, you that era? You see where
2: I'm heading with this. <laughs> so, yes. so even though... It's the apocalypse. So basically, the central... Let's, let's think about this for a while. So all of this is happening, and most of the people who are gonna start dying aren't gonna be the people in this room. Statistically speaking, except for some extreme weather things and stuff like that. Most of us aren't going to be hit, probably. But we're going to be living in an information society where the narratives, the dominant narratives are narratives about fear. And that, I think, is going to change very much because somehow when we look into the future and when these kids for sure today look at their lives, they imagine they're going to be running web agencies and playing computer games, and that's probably also true. But it's not the full story. They're going to be terrified. And this is where you guys should be paying attention because fear is bad for business. Fear stifles innovation. Fear stifles investment. Fear makes consumers not want to buy stuff except for maybe like guns and tinned food. Uh, so, I'm taking that back yeah.
0: to Johanna. We, uh, we're, we're we're getting sort of hit with with a, a fairly negative but yet insightful potential yeah. view of society. How do you look upon it? Is it getting worse or better?
1: Well, when you listen to Johanna here, well, we're facing we're facing that somewhere along the road. It's it's coming. But as you said, probably people in this room won't be start dying when this uh, hit us and and. I wonder, will, will people listen to all of this? When you have this transparency, do you really want to listen when you're going to hell if you are afraid? Does fear make you want to listen just because you can or will fear make you shut down just yeah. because you can?
2: I think there are, I think there are two two likely outcomes, and both will probably happen, right? So one side of it is alienation and isolating yourself from these realities. And I mean, I'm a huge gamer. I love all of that stuff. But we are also, we've made it very easy for ourselves to turn off the real world if we want to. So that's absolutely going to grow. And of course, always in crisis, the entertainment industry is boom. So good on you, everybody who's in the gaming industry. Um, But I think another side of it is that that people will also, a lot of people will also want to engage. And I think especially young people, which is ironic, right? Because young people don't understand about consequences, basically. You, you don't even have that part of your brain until you're like 25. But, but on the <laughs> other hand, they have a lot of idealism because they don't really understand how everything works. So a lot of people will probably want to engage with these, with these issues and find meaningful things to do. And in some weird way, like I find this inspirational. So, because we've been living in a time, all of us, all of this wealth that we are currently enjoying and all of this uh, culture that, we're, that all of us represent comes from a period of peace and abundance. But what we've been kind of lacking is purpose, unless you count as purpose starting a really cool startup and you know cashing out five years later. And I think, I think that could
0: be, and I think there could be a lot of different routes to purpose, but you have to find that yourself. Mm. Before, and, a of and of still in many countries, religion gave yeah. you purpose in life. Uh, you would kumbaya oh, yeah, my Lord, but it was okay because it was something better afterwards. And then you take away religion, even though we're safer and wealthier and healthier, depression is just going up dramatically. So, so I'm, sort of, I'm sort of debating with myself whether I think society going forward will be a nicer place with more happy people or, just a place with more depressed people. Yeah,
2: but, but, like, if, <laughs> the weird thing is, purpose makes us happy. And I don't know, like, I'm gonna have to ask you, but isn't, aren't young people looking for, like, tribes and, and con- connections?
1: Yeah, they do. They want to, to be in a group with friends and people who think alike. But, but I, I think when, when you're describing the world going to hell, uh, will. How will that affect the networking society? Because the parts of the world that then will, will go to hell, will they be uh, connected? Will they be online mm. if you know, you have a hurricane that sweeps away 400 people and 400,000 people maybe? Yeah. So will we, will we hit uh, 50 million uh, connected devices if we are going to I think uh, apocalypse?
2: <laughs> I think this apocalypse will be televised. Yeah, okay. Or it'll be on on ba- CNN or No, BBC. it'll be on bamboozer at least, yeah, okay. you know, uh, because these devices are there. Of course, then the problem is that all of these networks, all of this infrastructure is really, really, um, it's not resilient, right? So even in the Nordic countries, every year, every second year or something, like last Christmas, except everybody seems to have forgotten, in Sweden and Finland, we had... A storm, like we just had a lot of snow. And in Finland for sure, in southern Finland, in the civilized parts of the country, there were people who were without electricity for 10 days. You know, in Finland, the tech capital of, you know, the world as far as we're concerned. I know there's other <laughs> ideas about it. That means, you know, if you don't have electricity in Finland in the winter, you probably don't have heat. Your freezer's gonna melt, you can't use your oven, and you can't use your phone, because you can't, you know, if you get ill, you can't call for an ambulance because everybody's mobile phones are out of power by day, like three, probably, even if you're, you're being very careful with this. And the internet's not working. So, ironically, not we think that we are safe as well, and we're not.
0: But um, I'll, I'll take us back from right or wrong. I'll take us back <laughs> from sort of the, the potential negative situation. And if you look at the world going concern, it's going to be there. It's not going to be blown up. It's not going to be too warm or too cold. We're going to be here, but we're going to be 10 years ahead of time. And uh, We're going to be here at time, and some people are going to tell how they connect with the citizens of that time. Mm. The all elderly citizens, how are we going to be when we are elderly? Are we going to be super techy, demanding? Are we going to want to have nightclubs that we go to because, you know, we like the same music as everybody else? Or what, What's going to happen with that? Because before, when you were 30s, I heard, saw some statistics, you never changed music taste or clothing taste. So that means that all sort of senior citizens froze at 30, and then they had the same like checkered little hat <laughs> done, and well, so forth. Demographically
2: we are speaking, we're not gonna stop working, at least, that's impossible mm-hmm. uh, here. Uh, and I don't know, like, I, I, I look at young people, but of course already I'm 34, and I'm like, they don't even wanna work, like no. we've raised them wrong. I'm sorry, we have not prepared them for the world that is coming, <laughs> we've prepared them for the fantasy that we're all living. And I wonder about you guys who are like running, who have startups. Like, do you think your kids will be entrepreneurs? And did you have kids in your 30s and 40s? Like, aren't you just gonna give them a pile of money when you die, and then they're not gonna do anything? Because, I I mean, I'm, I'm seriously I don't have kids yet, so I'm a little worried about this, like what? Really? What are we doing? We should probably be like Sarah Connor, you know, in the Terminator movies. We should be, like, preparing the kids for the <laughs> apocalypse, but that's <laughs> not what we're doing. We're saying, you're my precious snowflake. You can do whatever you want in the world. Probably not. Like, that's. Pro- we don't know what's going to happen, but that's probably not going to be the reality. Yeah, I don't know. I'm turning no, you got, to you. Got you're a, the authority of you the You got op-
0: apocalyptic on us now again. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh,
2: Actually, I'm not apologizing. You know,
0: no, that's no, no. no, apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah, no. No, but... but uh, no, but I, 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 want, I want to find out sort of what do these, what do we do different now, uh, than, than now? Than the now? Yeah. So if, if I'm 18, <clears throat> 10 years from now, how how is are things different? Will I work remotely with an Indian company Will I don't get a job at all? Or will I sort of uh, hang out with my grandparents every day because we're connected? Or is it, you know, once a year? Or, or uh, how, how does this sort of... Are, are we going to raise our children differently because we're going to be in connection with them all the time because of we already are right now? I mean, the, the amount of messages between parents and children is transforming us back to the village where you actually met the kid a couple of days every day. So, so, so some, some thoughts around, around sort of the changes in the well, society.
1: You are going to run Saim, right, in 10 years, so you will be sitting here. Um, and we are sitting here as well. Now, I, I think what we will do differently is about the, the, the technology and the digital, of course. Uh, but I don't know how much, how much will we adapt. I think it will be more interesting to look at the 13-year-old in 10 years. What will, de- what will they do? We know that today, uh, 50% of the three-year-olds in Sweden are online. Mm so 10 years from now they are 13 what will their demands be on the the like the the authority the company mm-hmm. their work mm-hmm. you know it's going to be it's going to be different and and i think that's the the interesting thing if you look at from a marketing perspective or a brand perspective you have to start think at this now because the change is going to happen very very fast and it's going to be technical social driven and so i don't think that the most interesting question is what we're doing in ten years, it's what the, the three-year-olds are doing in ten years.
2: I think you're absolutely right, absolutely right. And I think that one of the things that I've missed in the conversation here, apart from a sort of global outlook in general, yeah. is that time perspective. Will your company even exist ten years from now? Because uh, there are startups that are built to be legacy companies. Google has a 100-year vision and so on. But most companies today aren't. And it has to do a little bit with that entrepreneurial culture as well, which is about creating and selling. And those individuals who are great at creating those companies, that's what they should be doing. But maybe somebody needs to be running companies. Like Maybe we need to be thinking about what kind of companies are resilient, uh, not just sustainable, but also resilient against things like... Um, uh, economic downturns, which are inevitable anyway, and other kinds of challenges. And something really interesting was said on this stage today about the value gap between generations. Uh, and Because I think that when that 13-year-old goes out into the workforce, uh, as the world is starting to go to hell around her, as it inevitably will, she's going to start looking at these companies and not just say, are your values similar to mine? They're also going to say, "Is your company part of the problem here, globally speaking, or is your company part of the solution?" Because it's not worth my while to be contributing to the problem. Like a lot of people will be selfish; we all are. But at least, you know, we don't want to be part of—we don't want to be the bad guys. So I think, and to to be to be believable, to be plausible, when you stand up and say, "My company is part of the solution," we've we've seen this coming. And God knows, right now, the, the commercial sector is ahead of the game when it comes to the environment compared to the politicians. This is where the power is, right? Yeah. Like you guys are, are thinking about yeah. these things, and our politicians don't have the mandate to do that just yet. Uh, I think to be plausible, you have to, to start now to say, well, we've, be, we've had the long-term plan yeah. because this company wants to be around 10 years from now, 20 years from now.
1: We talked about the, actually th- this morning on the HR seminar that you, yeah, the CSR, Uh, should be named uh, Corporate Social um, Opportunity Mm -hmm. instead because it's an opportunity to do something different for your employees and for the world in general and when you talk about how long companies will live I think it's going to be shorter and shorter for some Companies, because the world is different now. We're living in and raising our kids in an on-demand society, an always-on society. And if the company can't stand with that pace, they're gonna fall. But
2: that so, uh, raises the question about what is what is security in a place? Like, because if we say that the generation is going to be dominated by fear, I think that's inevitable. But what's the what? What are the narratives that people would have instead? So the opposite of fear is hope, and the opposite of fear is also trust, I guess. And I think maybe possibly the opposite of fear is also innovation. So it's somewhere there with trust, hope, and innovation that the answers are going to lie. And those are the kinds of narratives that people want to engage with. Um, I think like, the, the, in England, where uh, I was educated, they referred to the World War Generations. I think specifically First World War generation as the greatest generation. And it's beautiful, and, and I have a lot of sympathy for that idea. And, and of course, the, the, the generation that lived through the First World War and then also, say, stopped fascism, you know, awesome. But, and I'm very grateful. But the, the challenges that we, as a generation, face are even tougher. And this time, all of humanity is basically on the same side. We just haven't noticed it yet, but we are. And, and isn't it like, if you want to be epic, isn't that the most epic journey? Like, isn't that the most epic challenge to be allowed to be part of? And yeah. it would be naive to think that there are not business opportunities yeah. in connecting the will to be part of the solution uh, in different ways uh, to, to the commercial market. Yeah.
0: I mean, this, this discussion could go on for many bottles of red wine and many evenings. <laughs> uh, and, and thank you for bringing in uh, different perspectives. Uh, thank you very much for coming here. Thank
1: you thank very you. much.